Good morning. Thank you for that reading. The title of the lesson this morning is The Change That Is Good. And as you heard Matthew reading, it's from Acts 8, 5 through 25. As I have gotten older, I have found that many people do not like change. How many of our members have a favorite pew that they sit in every Sunday morning? Many of us have favorite hymns we want to sing each and every Sunday. Like most people, you might have a favorite speaker or a favorite passage that you would like to hear. Most of us are creatures of habit. That is what makes the work of the church such a challenge. Because if we evangelize the right way, as God would have us do, change is inevitable. For when we baptize those who are outside of Christ, the lost, they will bring with them their views, their experiences, and yes, their weaknesses. Who knows, you might come to church services some morning and find someone else actually sitting in your seat. A newcomer who is visiting for the first time or a new brother or sister in Christ. These are just some of the challenges within the congregation that will occur. When the gospel is preached, change takes place. The first century church struggled with this as well. After Stephen's death in Jerusalem, the church was scattered everywhere. Instead of hiding in fear and giving up, these Christians chose to share the good news with others. They even had the audacity to share the gospel with people who were long considered spiritual half-breeds, the Samaritans. Our passage this morning may seem familiar to us, but to first century Jews, especially Jewish Christians, it would be astounding. The Samaritans were despised by devout Jews. According to the Jews, the Samaritans had corrupted the law of Moses. They worshiped in the wrong place, according to John 4.20. This was on Mount Gerizim and not in Jerusalem. And were considered illegitimate children of Abraham. For Philip to go to the Samaritans and share the good news and baptize them was nothing short of amazing. Now this is that Philip from Acts chapter 6. One of the seven men chosen to feed the widows. Devout Jews would not even travel through Samaria because those people were corrupt and would leave a stain on good Jews. And yet, here we find Philip embracing them as Christians. Some would object to his choices. Others would warn that these new converts would bring trouble to the young church. Let's look at what is revealed about God's role in evangelism according to this passage. We will look at three truths of evangelism that will never change. These truths are just as relevant today as they were in the first century church. Number one, God cares for every soul. The Samaritans were despised by the Jews, 
They were considered the worst kind of compromisers. They followed some of the law of Moses, then added things to the law Moses had not written. But that was not going to stop God from reaching these lost souls. The Father wanted these sinners to hear the good news in spite of their reputation for not keeping the law as they should. We must understand that no matter what background, skin color, or language is before us, each and every one of those souls matters to God. People who do not know anything about the Lord matter. People who have corrupted the message of God and worship him in the wrong way matter to God. People who have rejected the Lord matter to God. This was one of the reasons God allowed Saul to scatter the church in Jerusalem. He already had his eye on countless thousands of other souls who needed to hear the gospel message. When Philip went to Samaria, his task was not to make the Samaritans good Jews. He went there simply to make them Christians. Like all sinners who repent and are baptized, these people were forgiven and added to the body of Christ, the church. Instead of trying to fix their misconceptions about the law of Moses, Philip brought them the message of grace and salvation through Jesus Christ. In other words, to teach and baptize the Samaritans did not require them to adopt the culture of the Jews. All they had to do was place their faith and trust in Jesus and live as he directed. Number two, God empowers his people. Yes, God empowers all of us who are members of the church. We read through this passage and often get confused by the work of the Holy Spirit. Philip did some real miracles in stark contrast to the tricks performed by Simon the sorcerer. These miracles proved his message was genuine, and many people, including Simon, responded in faith. All of these people received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but only Philip had the power to do the signs and wonders. So word reached the apostles in Jerusalem, who alone had the power and the authority to extend the power to perform miracles to other believers. What we Christians often miss is the fact that God was moving mightily in these events. In other words, converting the outsiders was not a mistake. It was part of God's plan all along. So the Lord blessed Philip with power and with success. He blessed the Samaritans with salvation. And later, after Peter and John arrived, he blessed them with the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. God wants all of us who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ to be passionate and energetic in following his will. Our work in the church should never be dull and boring. It should excite us and fan the flame within us to do good works. The Holy Spirit dwells in Christians and bears fruit in the Christian life. The Christian is to develop into the likeness of Christ. The Christian is to grow in grace and in knowledge of the truth of God 
day by day. All of this is under the supervision of the Holy Spirit. Let us keep in mind that the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are never separated in the redemption of mankind. The chief work that the Holy Spirit has with Christians is to develop them into the likeness of Christ. The primary objective of the Holy Spirit in dwelling in Christians is to reproduce in them the beauty and the glory of the personality of Christ. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Our Lord reminds us in Luke 24 and verses 46 and 47, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and do what? And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Our Lord came to seek and save the lost. This can only happen when you and I are being led by the Spirit and bringing the gospel message to all people. The church was not left to live forever in an upper room. It was sent out into all the world. After the upper room came the worldwide mission of the church. After Christ rose from the dead, the days of sorrow were past, and the tidings of joy were to be taken to all mankind. God empowers us to live lives that are Christ-like, because every soul should matter to us. The world must see the love of Christ in our actions and in our speech. We cannot draw mankind to the Savior unless they see him living in us. Number three, God insists on pure hearts. God insists on pure hearts. Within our passage this morning, we find the disgraceful behavior of Simon the sorcerer. By trying to purchase the power to give the Holy Spirit, he shows a gross misunderstanding of the work of the Holy Spirit and the will of God. A problem some people still have when it comes to the Holy Spirit and to the Word of God. When Simon attempts to corrupt this arrangement, Peter vehemently rebukes him. Peter lets Simon know he was wrong in no uncertain terms. Peter also tells Simon what he must do to fix his problem. We can only imagine what some people back in Jerusalem would say when they heard this story. They would say, I told you so. You can't trust those Samaritans. They will corrupt the gospel just like they corrupted the law of Moses. This reminds us that some newcomers in our services bring with them the mistaken ideas of the world. It's only natural. Even when a newcomer is baptized and becomes a member of the church, we must remember they, they often bring with them corrupted doctrines that they have learned elsewhere. When we see this error in doctrine, we need, like Peter, to confront it with the truth. But that doesn't mean that people from different backgrounds should be excluded. 
our response should be just the opposite. They need to be taught with love and patience, converted and then taught some more. We see what God did in the case of the Samaritans. So the next time you go to sit in your favorite pew and there's a stranger in your seat, do what God would have you to do. Introduce yourself and take a seat next to them. Remember, every soul matters to God. The world is made up of people from different races, backgrounds, and languages. A living, growing church should be the same. Changes are good when you evangelize the right way with the love of Christ. To those who are here this morning and you are not a member of the Church of Christ, we have an invitation for you. Jesus died for you. You don't have to pay for your sins. He took your place on that cross. He offered himself as a means of gaining your forgiveness. Won't you be as smart as a Samaritan and accept this invitation to be baptized this morning? If you believe that Jesus is the Christ who died for your sins and you're willing to repent of those sins, confess him as your Lord and Savior, and then be immersed, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, then we are ready and willing to assist you in that this morning. You may be here this morning, and you're a member of the congregation, a member of the Church of Christ. And somewhere in the past, whether it's a month, a year ago, whatever the time lapse has been, the fire that drives you to serve the Lord has grown dimmer and dimmer. Don't let the fire go out. You can recommit your life this morning. We're here to pray for you. We're here to surround you and share our love with you and our support. Whatever your need is this morning, won't you let us know what that is? It's together. We stand and sing our hymn of invitation.